Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now let's join the service already in progress. Today's message. So turn with me to Joshua chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 1. We're going to read 1 through 5, and then I'll skip down to verse 14. Uh, Joshua chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Joshua was up early and with all the people of Israel with him. He arrived at the Jordan and camped before crossing over. After three days, leaders went through the camp and gave out orders to the people. They said, when you see the covenant, the the Ark of the Covenant, the chest of God, carried by the priests, start moving. Follow it and make sure you keep a proper distance between you and it, about a half mile. And be sure to keep your distance because you'll clearly see the route to take. You've never been on this road before. Then Joshua addressed the people, sanctify yourselves. Tomorrow God will work miracle wonders among you. Skipping down to verse 14, and that is what happened. The people left their tents to cross the Jordan River, led by the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And when the priest got to the Jordan and their feet touched the water at the edge, because the Jordan River overflows at at its banks throughout the harvest season, the flow of the water stopped and piled up in a heap a long way off at a town near Adam. And the river went dry all the way down to the Salt Sea, and the people crossed facing Jericho. And there they stood, the priests carrying this chest of the covenant, firmly planted on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all of Israel crossed on dry ground. Finally, the whole nation was across the Jordan, not one wet foot. Come on, this is one of the most dramatic miracles in the Old Testament. We see the power of God on display, the people of Israel crossing into their promised land. We're going to dive into this together today. But before we do, I want to take a moment and create a little opportunity here for us to pray together as we head into school tomorrow. I know it's a a big step for so many people, but in particular, could you just uh, maybe wave your hand at me if you are a teacher, guidance counselor, faculty, staff member at a school yet? Could you stand up all over the room? Look at all these amazing people who are involved in schools across our county across our city remain standing for just a moment we applaud you first of all we applaud you we applaud you and uh i just can't think of a a better place to be the day before stay standing stay standing don't get don't get comfy yet Uh, i can't think of a better place to be the day before this this new year begins and here in the house of god just really trying to open your heart because i know that god's going to begin to pour life out of you into these students so we want to take the opportunity to pray for you and for all of those who are uh leading our students this year for the students and families alike so if you're near one of these people could you maybe stretch your hand out in their direction father we thank you for all the men and women who are representing the leaders of our school district for Osceola County for Orange County, and we pray that this school year would be favored, that there would be so much grace over this school year, that these men and women and those who work alongside them would have words of life and hope for our students. God, I thank you that this will be a miraculous year. Lord, I thank you that depression in our students will break in Jesus' name, and that you'll use people like these to do it. You'll use the the love and, and joy that pours out of them to bring light to young people who need it most. Lord, thank you that suicide will be pushed back in Jesus' name in our schools this year. God, I thank you for safety on every single campus in Osceola County, in Orange County, that what the enemy tries to do will not work. No weapon formed against our young people will prosper. And I thank you that these teachers, that these faculty, that these leaders are going to be the front lines of an outpouring of grace and love in our schools. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, say amen with me today. Teachers, we're with you. We love you. We're standing with you. God bless you guys as you take your seats. 
So today as we get into the word, I'm thrilled because we have had this series planned for since like last November and I knew I was preaching Moana for like over a half a year now. So I've been like desperate to get to this moment because Moana is a pretty important film in the McNeil household because uh, up until just recently it was Malachi's favorite movie. And if you're the parent of a small kid, you know what that means. It means we watch it on repeat nonstop over and over again. But frankly, I'm not mad because it, of all of them, this is one of the ones that I really enjoy the most. Who here? has seen the movie, okay, then you know, see, okay, we're, we, everyone's on the same page here. It's a good movie, right? Like, it's, every time I watch it, I'm like, this is good stuff. Like, it's fun to watch. We got The Rock in there. Malachi loves Maui. He has a hook. Um, Malachi has a hook, and he hits everyone with it. It's perfect. Um, but it's just fun. To, every time I watch it, I genuinely feel like I'm in church, right? Like, you know, don't, don't lie. You cry at that part. You know the part I'm talking about where all the water, like, moves back, and her hair's sweating, and she says, this is not You know who you are. I, I almost called this whole message like, this is not who you are. I was going to just preach that one part, but I, I, I didn't. But that, it just makes me cry. It's so good. And uh, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. But, uh, yeah, it's Malachi's favorite. He has transitioned out of loving Moana to now he's obsessed with, uh, he stayed with the ocean vibe. He's obsessed with the little mermaid he has. At the age of two and a half, a full crush on Ariel. Like, it's serious. Up until this point, anytime we would see like a lady walk by, he would say to us, Mama, she pretty like Mama. Like it was always like everyone was pretty like Mama. Then he laid eyes on Ariel. <laughs> he just said, Mama, she pretty. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. We were, uh, we, were just on a, we were just on a trip, and uh, we, were, we were settling into uh, this house on the beach, and there were some stairs, and Malachi was uh, playing, and he, there was, he was on, like, the last step, and he tripped and fell down the stairs. He was okay, but he was crying, and so we're consoling him, and uh, he's crying and crying, and he looks up, and he sees this painting on the wall of a mermaid, and he's weeping, and he goes, hey, look, and it was like he was healed, <laughs> like, all of a sudden. Everything he needed was right there in Ariel. So that's where we are right now. But Moana is definitely near and dear to our hearts. And this character, man, if you don't know her, I, I connect with her so much. First of all, Kennedy did such, such a great job portraying her. But, yeah, one more time for Kennedy. Love you, girl. So proud of that girl. But it's this, she's a princess who lives on this island, Montanui, and everyone here on the island is happy on the island. We stay on the island. We don't venture out past the island. But Moana, since she was a, a baby, is like looking out, and she is constantly drawn to the water, and she just can't, she can't tell why, but she just knows there's something out there for me. Even though she's told for fear of what could happen to her, we don't go out there. She's drawn to the water. And I think that all of us can relate to that feeling at some point in our life when you kind of take stock of the land that you live on and you realize, okay, this is the life I've built for myself. This is my reality. This is my island. And yet when you look at it all in total, you find yourself kind of looking out on the horizon thinking, maybe there's more. Have you ever had that, that sense in you? Like, I, I'm not ungrateful for how far I've come. I'm not ungrateful for what's happened, but maybe I'm made for more of this than this. Maybe there's more out there. What's beyond that line? Like, what's, what's out there on the water? I keep staring at the edge of the water, never really knowing why. These are some of the things that she finds herself saying. And she keeps coming to the edge of the water, and she's looking out there knowing that there's more. And that's what we're talking about today, because standing at the edge of, of the water, looking out and knowing there's more, is really a position and a posture of faith. So we've got Moana at the edge of the water looking out and seeing more. Then in this passage, we have the people of Israel standing at the edge of the water, looking into their promised land. Like, it's 
right there. They know there's something for them at the, across this water. And then we've got me and we've got you standing at this moment in our life, looking ahead, knowing there has to be more. There has to be more. And if you've got that hunger, I'm speaking to you today. And if you don't have that hunger, I'm speaking to you today because we need to stir up that hunger. If we're not hungry to see more in our life, we are never going to move past where we are today. And your life is not meant to stop here and end here and die here. There is more for the church. There is more for you. God has a purpose and plan for your life. And the Bible says he leads us from glory to glory, that there is more ahead of us than there is behind us. And the best is yet to come. We don't say that just as an encouragement. We say it as a motivation, that if there's more ahead of us, we got to keep moving. I can't stay here. I can't stop here. There is more ahead of me. Look at someone next to you and say, there's more for you. Oh, you said it so nice, but now preach it to them. Say, there's more for you. That means we've got to go. That means we've got to hunger for more. Staring at the edge of the water, knowing that there's more. And maybe you're at the edge of more right now. Maybe you're going into a new season. It's school time, a transition. Maybe you're facing uh, opportunity in business. Or maybe you find yourself uh, considering getting married. Maybe you're looking into the new and wondering, what is over there? I'm hungry for more. And so many people come to the edge of greatness and never cross over into it. How many lives have started and ended on the same island. I don't want us to end our race in the same place we started it, friends. If there's somewhere for us to go, I want us to go there. And God wants us to go there. So many people get to the edge of the water and never go past it. Why? Because it's, if it was easy, everyone would do it. It's going to be difficult to step into this new season. It's going to be difficult for you to step into whatever God is calling you to. What you're feeling in here is a hunger so strong because it's going to need to be strong to take you through what you're going to have to go through. It's easy to live on the island. It's hard to live out in the water. But if God's calling you, you belong there more than you belong here. It's better to be out in the water with God than in the safety of the island without him. If he's calling you, you've got to go. You've got to go. But why do so few of us say yes to that call? Why do so few of us step into the new? I think one of the first reasons is probably pride. Because it's easier to stay where we are, where we're established, where we know what we know. We have the friendships and the, the lifestyle and the balance, where we look like we've got it all together. Commercial break. No one has it all together. Can we all just be honest in church and tell the truth? Like, no one has it together. And yet we prefer to posture our lives so that at least we look like it. But we would trade having more so that we could look like more. Friends, I don't care if what I look like. If I can have more, I'm going after more, and so should you. It's better for us to look humbled and to receive what God has for us than to look like we have it all together and never get anything else in our life. Your pride will keep you from ever stepping into what God has. It's easy here, it's hard there. Everyone knows you here, no one knows you there. You've got your plan B and C here. You are risking it all out there. You've got your friends or so-called friends here, but God's called you to reach others out there. You're the MVP here, but you're the water boy out there. You're the teacher here, but you're the student there. 
And so many people will not cross that line into the unknown because they're unwilling to give up the status, the establishment, the comfort, and the convenience of this moment and trade it away for the possibility that there is more. But only people of faith would throw all that away because only the person of faith has the confidence to say, yeah, all of this might amount to a lot, but there's more for me, and the more is worth more than the less. (laughs) Because here is less, and there is more. And if you are only a natural person, yeah, cling to the less because it's all you've got. But if you have that sense in you that there is more, listen to it, lean into it, and go for the more. So we've got to understand that staring at the edge of the water isn't enough. It's time for us to go in. And one thing I think we misunderstand about destiny is that it's activated by decision. Destiny is unleashed by decision. You have got to do something to step into your destiny. Destiny doesn't come to us. We go to it. Pastor Jeff teaches us all the time. Our destiny is to be like Jesus in any and every situation to bring his love and grace everywhere we go. That doesn't happen by accident. It happens by a daily decision that I'm going to go for the more and give up the less. I'm going to step into who I know I'm made to be, what I feel in here, and pursue. I I keep staring at the edge of the water, and I know there's more for me out there. Destiny is activated by a decision. And God really put this question on my heart, and, and it challenged me. We're so good at crossing the line into destruction. Anyone got, like, expertise in that department? Or is it just me? Okay, because I'm like a pro. We're so good at crossing the line into destruction. How does it work? You know, we have this line that we know we shouldn't cross. It's like a boundary. Everyone tells us don't. We're just staring out there. We stare at something, someone, some temptation, something that allures us. We know it's not good for us, but we just keep staring. I'm not doing anything. I'm just staring. But eventually, staring isn't enough. Because what you stare at compels you. So you're compelled. Right? Okay, I'm just going to toe the line just a little bit. Nothing crazy. I'm just going to toe the line. And you stick your toe in the water, right? And you're like, it's not so bad. <laughs> My life didn't explode. I didn't get struck by lightning. Let me just go a little more. And nothing happens. Nothing happens. And yet, in what we think nothing happens, something is very much happening. <laughs> We're getting further and further away from where we should be and stepping out into destruction. And then eventually, all at once, our life begins to unfurl with destruction. And we wonder, how did this happen? It happened because you made a decision to cross the line and step further and further toward destruction. So, why are we so good at crossing that line into destruction? And yet we do not know what to do when we face the line into destiny. Take all that experience you've built up at crossing the line into destruction and use it on crossing the line into destiny. You stare at your future. You stare at what God's called you. And you keep looking it in the face until you can't help but cross the line into the unknown. You say, I'm sorry, I've been, I've been thinking about it too much. I know God's called me for more. I know he's made me for more. And I don't know what's about to happen, but I'm going to say yes to him. And you say, oh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. And then you take another step. And then you take another step. Decision after decision. Action after action. Intention after intention. Until eventually your life unfurls with destiny and purpose because you made a decision to pursue. You've got to cross the line into destiny. And so many people come to the line and stop at the line. Because they're unwilling to take that step. 
there's more for you. And I believe if you're in the room today, God's speaking to you about crossing that line and stepping into what he has for you. So many people get to the line and wait for something to open up before they ever step, right? Isn't that, isn't that how it works? You know, like with the people of Israel, picture them there at the Jordan River. Because it's flooded. I don't know if you caught that part of the scripture. <laughs> Flood. <laughs> like, of course they wouldn't come to it when it's dry. They could, like, hop over it. No, it's flooded. And I know my promised land is there, but it's going to be a big obstacle for me to get from here to there. So many people get to the water and they say, all right, God, can you, uh, can you do something about this? Right? And this isn't their first rodeo because when they came out of Egypt, the same thing happened. They crossed the Red Sea, remember? And so they're here and they're saying, I know you can do it. So, God, if you will move this water, I will cross into the promised land. But see, for so many moments of our life when we're looking at God saying, if you will, I will, I believe he is looking at us saying, if you will step into the water, I will move it back. But I'm waiting for you to take a step of faith. I brought you through the Red Sea to teach you I can do it, but now I brought you to the Jordan for you to prove to yourself that you know I am who I say I am. Things don't always open up in front of us. We have to take the step first. And when it comes to your walk of faith, so many people get into an environment like this and their heart pounds and they feel it and they know they're made for more, but they wait for something to happen before they ever take a step. Take the step and then things will begin to happen. You need to forge it. You make a decision before you ever feel it. And when, that's what he said to the, to the people of Israel. He said, when your feet touch the water, then I will open the river. So many of us get to the edge. We're like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'll, I'll step when it moves. And God says, I'll move when you step. <laughs> because back at the Red Sea, you didn't know me. You didn't know how powerful I was. But now, you know me. And I've put the promised land in your sight. You're right here. You can see it. And if you trust me, you'll step no matter how deep that water seems. No matter what it costs you. No matter how much of your island you have to leave back. If it costs you all your friends. If it costs you the life you have been living currently. If you understand what is in front of you is so much more than what is behind you. If you have that kind of faith, step out and I will do the rest. What a call to faith, I believe, that God is speaking. But the moment that they touch that water, all of heaven rushes in to fulfill the promise that God has already given them. But he's looking for men and for women who are willing to say yes like that. Yes, I'll say yes before I ever see it happen. Based on what I see in Scripture, anytime the people of God are faced with an obstacle of water between them and where they're going, only two things can happen. When you step out into that obstacle... Either God will part it or you'll walk on top of it. But there's never been a moment in scripture where God led his people to water and they didn't get through it in faith. So God is either going to move the situation or he's going to move you. But one way or another, do not let the fear of the unknown, do not let your uncertainty, do not let the comfort of your present situation keep you from going to what he's called you into. If he's calling, it's time to answer. Take that step. What's beyond that line? Well, I cross that line into the unknown. And the question that I have for you is, what if there's more for you? What if there is so much more than you have ever been able to imagine? What is undiscovered in your life? What's undiscovered in you? Are you content for this island to be everything? That's it? This is my life? Everything I can see with my eyes, that's the sum total of my life. I'm, I'm here and it's going to be like this 
you come back and see me in 10 years, it's going to be the same way. Another 10 years, it's going to be the same way. Another 10 years, it's going to be the same way. It's me and the same three friends, and this is all we do. We make the same jokes, and we do the same stuff, and we go to the same two restaurants, and that is my life. See, I grew up with a lot of people around here who constantly are like, I can't wait to get out of St. Cloud. I can't wait to get out of St. Cloud. As a person who's lived here my whole life, it's really funny to watch all of them come back. (laughs) Because so many people try to change their external circumstance without trying to change their internal condition. You can run all you want from the call of God in your life, but if you're made for more, you are going to feel that hunger everywhere you go. So welcome back to St. Cloud. We got a Starbucks now. But changing your, changing your outward circumstance cannot, uh, cannot replace changing the inward condition to say, I'm hungry for more, and I'm going to take that step. What's undiscovered in you? Because to discover something, it means to be the first one to see or experience it. And I believe you're called to discover the undiscovered things in your life, to be the first one to see or experience it. If God has to bring you into a season of uncertainty to discover something that hasn't been discovered, it's worth it. You're going to have to leave what everyone else can see so that you can see what no one else has ever seen. He's calling people into those places of uncertainty to see in you. I'm not talking figuratively. I mean in you. There are things in you that no one has seen yet. I believe there are people in this room that are called to ministry, that are sitting there and watching the platform every week, and they're like, man, wow. How long are you going to watch until you discover that there's something in you that God is waiting to use? There's people in here who have a dream for a business that's that's going to change lives. How long are you going to talk about it before you finally step into it? There are undiscovered things in you that only you will be able to see. You're going to be the first one to see it, but once you see it, then everyone else will see it. But see, often what happens is we allow what everyone else can see in us to define us. And we let the visible become a prison to us when the invisible is our pathway. I know there's more me. You guys can't see it, but I know there's more me, and I'm going to discover it, and everyone's going to see and know that God has put something more in my heart. And then watch, people are going to say, wasn't she like the timid one? (laughs) Wasn't she the one that was like super quiet? And now she's like doing all this stuff for Jesus? (laughs) Whoa, what's happening? Wasn't he the addict? Like wasn't his life broken and going nowhere? And now all of a sudden he's coming out of nowhere and he's like helping people out of their situation. How did that, wasn't their marriage broken? Weren't they headed for destruction? Their family was falling apart. And now I see them every week and they're all with their hands lifted together worshiping Jesus. And I don't understand how I, I used to see one thing and now I see another. It's because a person of faith says, yeah, you might see me in my brokenness today, but I see healing in my future. You might see me in my pain today, but I see something that is revived in my future. This looks broken today, but it'll be mended tomorrow. There's more for me, and I'm going to discover the undiscovered. You guys can look at the the discovered things all you want, but I'm going after the undiscovered. And I'll be the first one to see it, and then everyone else can get in line and experience what I'm chasing down. There's more for you. There's more for you. And the people of Israel are facing the Jordan during its flooded season. They've got this Jordan in front of them, and they, they are in the wilderness. Now remember a little bit further back in their history, they were in Egypt. They're enslaved in Egypt, and God brings them out of Egypt through parting the Red Sea. Now they're in wilderness. And to bring them into their promised land, he's going to bring them through the parted Jordan. There was impossible obstacle that God brought them through into this season, and then another impossible obstacle to bring them through into the next. I believe God uses impossible obstacles to bookend our seasons, to teach us 
I'm the one who brings you through one season to the next. You, you did not fight your way out of slavery. I brought you out of slavery. And now that you're in wilderness, you're not going to earn your way into promised land. I'm going to bring you into promised land. I'm the one orchestrating your steps. I'm the one in charge of your transitions. You simply have to trust and believe me. And if I said it, I'll do it. We don't fight our way out of one season into the next. We step into one season and the next. And when we step, waters begin to part. And if God's calling you, he's calling you now to step into it. Every transition of your life is divinely choreographed by God. And so many of us push against seasons changing. But seasons change to bring out what is under the surface of the ground. You have to go through spring and summer and winter and fall to bring out the seed that has been planted. And you feel like you're in a weird season right now? It's probably because there is seed beneath the surface that is just about to break through. You're like, I don't understand why things are starting to like fall apart. My friendships are feeling empty. My life is feeling empty. I'm going into something new. I'm going into new soil. I'm going into new territory. Why? Because new conditions are needed to bring out new things in you. There are certain things that will only grow in a new season and in a new condition. And if you clutch to where you've been, you'll never see the new things in your life. We have to be willing to cross that line into the new season. And see, they're crossing into this promised land. They're looking at it in the face. The Bible calls uh, the promised land the land flowing with milk and honey, right? It's just like abundant. Like it's just glorious. And, and they're here in the wilderness with just a river between them and their promise. It's so close they can almost taste it. They can, it's like right there. And I don't, I don't think that we understand a lot about the way that destiny and obedience works. Because that's a unique name, right? The land flowing with milk and honey. Like, for me, it would be like the land flowing with chips and salsa. Like, <laughs> I'd, I'd be swimming through that river right there. I'll do whatever it takes to get to a land like that. But the land flowing with milk and honey, it's, it's poetic. It's an expression about a place of abundance. But I also think that there's probably some meaning to why it's referred to that way in Scripture. Milk and honey are two very strange things to put uh, in the same phrase because they are polar opposites when it comes to their shelf life. Did you know that honey is the only food that does not spoil? It never goes, y'all knew that? I didn't know that. I had to, go, I had to Google it. I should have just asked you guys. Why don't you guys preach? Like, <laughs> it never goes bad. It never, ever spoils because of the, the, the properties of the sugar in it. No bacteria will set in. You could eat a jar of honey from 100 years ago, and it'll still be just as sweet. You might have to stir it a little bit, but it'll be just as sweet. And I believe it's an indication to the way the promises of God work in our life. There are eternal promises that never expire. And so often people think they've missed their chance, missed their moment, and the devil wants us to believe that we've lost the opportunity to say yes to God. But it doesn't matter how much time you've wasted, how much life you feel like you've lost. The minute you say yes to Jesus, you are tasting the sweetness of honey as if it was the very first moment. His salvation is like honey. His love is like honey. His grace is like honey. And when you you say yes, you will taste that sweetness. I don't care if you're 105 and you live the life of a hellion. If you come down to the altar and you say, Jesus, I'm saying yes today, you will not have lost out on one moment of sweetness with him because his promises do not expire when we say yes to him. Those eternal things, they do not expire. It never spoils. It's just as good for you who came at the 11th hour as someone who's been here from the first moment and you get the fullness of it. Now that's the encouraging side of the coin. Let's turn it around now. That's honey. Let's talk about milk for a second. Milk goes bad, like, from the grocery store to the fridge, right? You ever feel like it's like, 
what just happened? Like when I'm in the grocery store, I look at the milk and it has yesterday's date on it. Like it, it's bad before you buy it already, instantly. And, and can you think, can anyone recall the taste of the, you know, oh, everyone can feel it. Recall the taste of that, just, just two days old. You know, just recall the taste of milk that just turned bad. It's horrific, right? It's so bad. And I think much in the same way, while the promises of God do not expire, the opportunities God brings you have a lifespan. And if he's saying to you, go, let me tell you what he's also saying, go now. When God speaks, he speaks, he's transcendent from time. He's outside of time, but he speaks into time. And when he's saying go, he means go now. If you feel your heart pounding and like God's calling you for more, he's not calling you for more 20 years from now. He's calling you now. If you're a young person, if you're a student and you feel like I'm called to something, don't put that up on the shelf and try to wait it out for a couple decades because later when you go try to pull it down, you're going to step into something rancid and doubt whether or not it was ever from God. But it had nothing to do with whether or not it was from God. It was that you waited too long to stay step into what he had called you to step into in that moment. Obedience has a lifespan as well, because if you wait till too long, it becomes disobedient. If he's saying go, go now. If he's calling you, answer now. There is a lifespan to your promise, and the promises of God are eternal, but the opportunities last but a moment. Leonard Ravenhill says, opportunities of a lifetime must be taken during the lifetime of an opportunity. And if he's put a business in your heart, it's for now. If he's calling you to step into a new life with him, and if he's calling you to answer in a new way, it's for now. It's for now. Your promised land has milk and honey, and the honey, it's not going anywhere, honey, but the milk, it's, it's going back. You need to take advantage of this moment now, especially because the world we live in needs people who are flowing with abundance. When you look out on the street and look on the news and look in your Facebook feed, now is the time for us to take our place and radiate with the love of God and the hope of God. We need more people who are willing to step off of the island of mediocrity and off of the island of selfishness and self-centeredness and sin and destruction and willing to sail into the horizon of grace and favor and forgiveness and restoration. We need people who, are st who have stopped trying to look good and start stepping into ministry and saying, guys, I got a story to tell. I was broken and Jesus made me whole. I was addicted and he set me free. I was blind, but now I see. We need more people who are willing to be used of God now more than ever. Now is the time. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Don't delay. If he's called you, he's called you now. And so go with courage into the fullness. Go like little Kennedy. She said, I'm going and I might be scared inside, but I got a brave face on because I know if he called me, he's with me. He would never call you and abandon you. He would never call you and abandon you. The only way you're going to experience distance between you and God is if you don't move. Because if he called you, it's because he's moving and he wants you close. He wants you close. You got to go where he's calling you. You have to go where he's calling you. You feel a tug on your heart calling you to something but if you wait you're going to miss opportunity so where is he leading you what is the spirit calling you to what do you feel in your heart I don't have to preach this to you man you know what do you feel in your heart what is it that makes that that pulse elevate when you look into the horizon what do you see you know you're made for more than this you know you're made for more if your life ended right now would you have been able to say, I lived the life I was meant to live? Or are you settling for comfort? You know you're made for more. And this is a time to respond. How long are you going to talk about the business that he put in your heart? How long? How much longer? You talk about the dream and you talk about the dream and you talk about the dream. Why not step into the dream? 
Why not do something? How long are you going to talk about the education that you know he's called you to get? See, it's like you know it in here, and then it's like everywhere you go, you, you like see the sign, you see the billboard, someone's wearing a shirt, someone's talking about it. It's like, all right, God, <laughs> how long are you going to delay? How long are you going to delay making things line up with what you know is right in your heart? Maybe the two of you have been living together for 11 years and you have not made covenant and brought marriage into your relationship. And you know it every time you talk about it. You know it and you're like, we're waiting on a venue. We're waiting on, no, sorry. How much longer are we going to wait to step into what we know is right? It'd be better to go get married under a palm tree by a park bench and get a venue and have a party two years from now when you can afford it. But if it's time and God's called you to make it right, if you feel it in here, you've got to respond now. Don't let your circumstance dictate your obedience. You're waiting for the river to open. You step and the river will open. You step and the river, I, I, I believe someone's going to get a venue dropped in their lap when they finally just say, yes, we're getting married. But you're waiting for a venue to be the, the dictator of your obedience. If, if God's called you to something, say yes. Say yes and let him take you where he's designed you to go. Stop staring at the edge of the water and start stepping into the water. And I'll say this, the water's fine. It's fine, man. It's not as scary as you thought it would be. When we look into the unknown, it can be a little daunting. When you look out there, you're like, I understand my life now. I have no idea what's going to happen when I go over there. But that's looking at it with such a negative lens. A person of faith, yes, there's unknown, but a person of faith simply wonders, I don't know what's out there. I wonder how much more blessing is out there. I wonder how much more strength is out there. I wonder how much more purpose. Stop predicting misfortune and pain and lack in your future and start seeing the possibility for more than you ever thought possible. Start seeing the option for God to move in bigger ways. What if out there is better than here? Because it takes just as much belief to see it with fear as it does with faith. So put off your fear and start looking with faith that he's called you to something great. You know, just recently we were in uh, New York for Hillsong Conference. It was a blast. And uh, I had uh, my wife, we were traveling, my wife and then a couple friends were flying to New York. And I had a a scheduling conflict um, on the day of this flight. And so the day of the flight at like midnight, the first thing, the first moment of that day, I called and said, I need to change my flight to a later day, a later hour, like the last flight out. And so my wife and friends are going to the airport. And uh, so I go for my later flight and I get there and I check on my wife and she said, uh, we actually haven't left yet. Our flights are, de- our, our flight is delayed. Come say hi. So I went and see them and they're like in line getting on their plane. It's like maybe an hour and a half late. And I'm like, okay, bye guys. Love you. Love you. And they're getting on the plane and I'm here in this empty terminal watching my wife and my friends get on this plane, going to where I know I'm supposed to go. That's where I want to be. And I gave up my seat on this flight. I'm just, it's super dramatic. Like I'm here like by myself in this terminal. Like, man, I can't do this. So I go over to the gate and uh, there's a gentleman working on a computer. I say, excuse me, sir. Um, I I know that this plane was delayed. And I was wondering, could you check on my flight? And he said, yeah, you're delayed three hours. And this is the end of the night already. And he said, and actually, and he showed me the screen, and there's like this storm rolling, and he said, I know, I don't know if you're gonna get out tonight. I was like, so I feel the urgency of this opportunity. Like, it's either now or never. And I was like, um, sir, I know this is crazy. Is there any way that I could maybe get on this plane? Like my wife is there, my friends are there, like they're going where I'm going. Is there any way that I could get on this plane? And he said, uh, well, hold on one second. Let me check and see if there's a seat. I'm like, I know there's a seat because I just gave it up. <laughs> I know that there's a seat in there and it's got my name on it. I know that it's there. And he's looking and he says, I guess your name is Justin, right? And I was like, yeah, how'd you know that? And he looks at me and he says, 
I go to City of Life quite a lot. And I was like, let's go. Let's go. So he's looking and he says, uh, yeah, there, there's, there's a seat. Um, and so I, I suggest you get on this plane. Let me do a couple things. Let me make a couple changes. And I said, oh, wait, no, I can't. So what's wrong? And I said, my bag. My bag's on the other plane. And if I go now, I'm not going to have it. And he looked at me dead in the eyes and he said, this storm is coming. And if you don't get on this plane, I don't know when your next chance will be to get to New York. And I was like, let's go. <laughs> and he put me, they're literally closing the door and I walk onto the plane with just like me and not the clothes on my back. And I think so often people look opportunity in the face and they get the faith and they say, I wanna go. And then their baggage is the one thing that they allow them to be kept back by. The people that are holding you back, the situation that's holding you back, the money, the difficulty, what the doctor said, what your ex said, what someone said and you're like, I can't, I've got too much holding me back. But the person of faith says, I'll go with the clothes on my back. I don't care what I have or who I have. If God called me, I need to go. There's a seat on that plane and I belong in it. My life is there. My family's moving. My friends are moving. My church is moving and I'm not going to be left behind. It's time for you to stop staring at what God's doing and start stepping in. There's a seat for you. It belongs to you and you need to take it. If you believe it today, someone give God some praise. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text the dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.